Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Needs Don Draper is Nick Copson, B2B Marketing Director at Reach PLC, the UK's largest news media company with an audience of over 48 million people. That portfolio includes the Daily Express, the Mirror, the Manchester Evening News, OK Magazine, and a raft of local titles from Bristol to Teesside. Nick has launched new publications and apps across the UK and managed teams with large budgets across online and offline channels. He spends most of his time concentrating on B2B lead generation. We're likely to discuss the state of UK media and advertising, reach PLC's digital transformation, and how it's been wrestling budgets back from Google and Facebook. So Nick Copson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Stuart. Pleasure to be here. First off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Well, in the context of um, B2B, uh, I'd like to think it's about being more creative and selling more. I've watched Mad Men. Uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I haven't seen all the whole episodes and all the seasons, but I've seen probably three seasons of it and, and I love it. But yeah, what strikes me about that is, is the creativity and the you know, I can't think of a better word than the go-gettedness of the ad man that really is missing, I suppose, really. And that'll be, I guess, what we'll talk about in, in the B2B sphere, really. Yeah, absolutely. A great word. So let's start off then. Most advertisers flock to Facebook and Google for their media needs. There are lots of other publishers like Reach PLC who may be overlooked in comparison to that. Can you tell us why that might be a mistake? For a start, obviously, you know, Google and Facebook are swallowing up huge... Uh, you know, swathes of audience and revenue across across the world, really, primarily because they've got a fantastic product. You know, fantastic product in terms of its its use, in terms of its effectiveness, in terms of its simplicity. It just works. So there's there's no there's no confusion there, really. Um, it's not just Reach PLC that might be missing out here, really. It's 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 any any kind of above the line traditional publisher, really, that has got models um, that and products and solutions that you know um, have evolved immensely, and I can cover that shortly, but. It's almost like it, it defies original thought at the moment. It feels like if you're looking to advertise digitally or market yourself digitally, the usual suspects apply. And it's almost as if the buyers, the marketing decision makers, the agencies even, almost don't think creatively to go beyond that sort of school of thought, really. And inherent within, unfortunately, above the line traditional media is a, is a view that perhaps I believe that those publishers you know, are behind the times, all right? And, and that's, and, you know, and that's certainly not the case, you know, and I'm a, I'm a proficient and effective user of Google and Facebook myself as a marketeer, you know, and, and therefore I know the effectiveness of those products, but also know the effectiveness of our own. And I think that's the bit that's the challenge for us, but also it's, I think it's the challenge for the wider kind of B2B market really. So there are other ways than the obvious routes to go down. Could you paint a picture then of the state of UK media at the moment? For example, when brands are targeting a business audience, who are the main publishers they're considering? What does the landscape look like? 
Well, I mean, this this is the the bit that I think defies original thought, really. B two B is a tough one, isn't it? Certainly, they'll be using Google and Facebook absolutely purely from a business point of view. They'll be using LinkedIn, which is a which is a you know a dominant factor, really, to be honest. Uh, and therefore, and on, within that, obviously, paid search and so on. To me, content marketing is the uh, is the big ticket here for us and as a business. And then, from our point of view, you know, we have got significant first party data connected to that business market uh, and we use we use uh, we've got a product a website called business live that um, leverages all the business related content across the entire network of our websites but you know if we're talking about what else is out there you know that's it's the same challenge with google and facebook really i think you know that that that's the large share of the market and then everyone else is really sort of scrabbling around for whatever's left really and i, and I think that's the challenge really for um b2b marketers is is that is going going beyond that um yeah, that, that lack of original thought and consideration. Okay. Well, let's uh, go a bit deeper into Reach PLC itself. Uh, tell us about that. What brands are under your banner uh, and how does your audience of 48 million break down? Right. So, I mean, you kind of, you kind of hit it on the top on, the, on your intro there, really, Stu. Is, um, I always say the Mirror, Daily Mirror, the Daily Express more recently for us as, a, as a, an acquisition into Reach PLC, um, the Daily Star. These are newspapers, but they're also websites, of course. And then on, on, the, on the printer side and website, we've also got OK Magazine and so on. But the main, the main thrust of our audience network and, and therefore our product portfolio is, is in the regional media across the UK and, and Ireland. Um, brands such as the Manchester Union News, which I think is, well, certainly is the largest regional news brand in the UK, but it's one of the largest in the world. Through to Birmingham, Birmingham Live, down into the Devon and Cornwall, with um, the, we've got a network of live brands. Uh, we've got pretty much media all across the main areas of the UK, uh, all the way to uh, to Glasgow and Edinburgh and so on. So that's really the network, and that creates that creates an audience um, monthly of about forty eight million people. Thirty eight million of those, give or take, are obviously online, and the rest are made up of um, newspaper news newsreaders and so on. And that's a, that's a huge uh, spectrum there of uh, political thought, cultural thought. Uh, it feels like you've got something for everyone in there. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, and, and one, of the, one of the transitions that we, we're going through at the moment, and, and I suspect a lot of, you know, more traditional publishing environments are as well, is to ensure we know as much about those, those people and that audience as possible. You know, we've, we've already gone beyond, you know, the days of, um, anonymous user data, really, uh, which we obviously is still vitally important to track various measures and, and KPIs and so on. But I think the um, the main thing is to know exactly who these people are as much as we can within the confines of GDPR, of course. Um, know as much as we can about the audience, where they live, what their behaviors are, what their emotions are, what their interactions are, and and to be able to use that to what, well, primarily serve better content to our audience and more targeted content. But obviously, make that content super relevant then to our advertisers. You know, as as Google obviously move away from, well, it's, it's been extended recently, hasn't it? But move away from third party cookies. You know, that forty eight million people. You know, and it won't be that many that we eventually get, but that forty eight million people will be vitally important, not only to, well, to essentially to our business, our business health, but also to the, um, I believe, to the health really of the um, the brands across the UK. 
It's a good honeypot you've got there. Um, and you've recently gone on your own digital transformation, as you mentioned. So could you sort of tell us a little bit more about uh, what you learned uh, and, the, and the data that you got on the audience? As you say, everything has to be within the limits of uh, GDPR, but tell us a bit about what you've learned. Well, to be honest, almost almost every interaction with our, our users now across our, that network portfolio is, is captured in some way, right? So we're talking about newsletter signups, um, you know, declared postcode data on some of our websites, um, intent data through some of our affiliates. Uh, we've got e-commerce channels. Of course, that's bringing in that super relevant first-party data. And of course, um, what content they're consuming, right? So all of those come together in a first-party data platform that we've got, that we're building uh, and adding to. And that ultimately then is creating the ad products or the data sets that we are now taking to market. And these are the kind of data sets and ad products that I've got significantly higher click-through rate than, than anything that might be leveraging third-party data, of course, because, because obviously it's, it's to a more relevant targeted audience. So lots of leads. Let's move on to B2B audiences specifically. How do you communicate the benefits of reach PLC to a B2B marketer? Um, that's a really tough one, Stu, and that's probably the challenge that kind of keeps me going and motivated, really, because it's a huge one to overcome. Um, and it's probably the same for anyone in that more traditional media environment, really. As I've already said, we've got a, we've got a huge digital audience, online audience. We've got ad tech products that are, you know, in my eyes, market leading and truly effective. Um, but unfortunately, what we're known as, what we're known for rather as a, as a, as a, a media company, if we're known at all, is as a, um, is through our news brands. Um, now, these are massively trusted, which brings with its own benefits, of course, which I can come on to in a bit. But unfortunately, uh, no matter that no the, 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 the lion's share of the audience now sits online, these are still, the perception is that these are still newspapers or print advertising, right? So, and within that is something that is seen as a, an old, an old school media. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's no, there's, there's no beating around the bush. This is a dying medium, unfortunately, for everyone across the world, really. And at some point that won't exist. So that's what we're known for, but we've also got this uh, quite an amazing digital infrastructure behind that. So really, for, for, we've got a long-term strategy and a short-term strategy, really. The long-term one is to, is to leverage the power of reach um, as a media entity, really, to the, to the brands and the, um, and the, the agencies and, the, um, and the, the digitally mature businesses, really, that understand and know about a company such as ours, but also know about the ad product behind it, right? But the short-term one is really... And let's be honest, 95, 96% of the business community out there is SME, is to harness, unfortunately, the power really of our news brands in the short term, because that's where the awareness and that trust sits already. So that the, the, there's less of a need to educate as we go through it. And, and at some point, there'll be a tipping point where we'll, we'll overlap really. But I think it is an immense challenge. And it's, not, and it's not just us, by the way. It's every, it's, I think it's every publisher out there that's got that challenge really, getting beyond the concept of, print advertising, really, and newspaper advertising, when actually um, there's far more to it than that. Fascinating. Well, I mean, as you say, the media is changing fast, and that's especially true for B2B. So how does a traditional local media publisher remain relevant? How do you keep people in the loop? Well, from a, from a news publishing point of view, which isn't really run my realm, really, but you know, it's, through, it's through delivering the right content at the right time to the people who want to read it. 
that's how we remain relevant as a as an entity really and what we can do in the background then is to provide that audience which is what we're doing providing the audience really at the right time to the right advertiser all right so so as long as long as our content is relevant and our ad product works then you know i'm hoping that we'll still remain relevant really um but you know there's there's a there's big challenges to overcome there you know i I'm, i was chatting to a a friend recently about you know the the bbc um don't help um, the situation on their nightly news, really, where they'll they'll often refer to the next day's headlines, of course, you know, in, in with their segments, what the papers say right now, you know, and they're referencing, you know, the Daily Mail and the Financial Times and all that sort of stuff. And um, but the media they're choosing to reference, of course, is the papers, right? Even though 75, 80% of that content would be consumed on a mobile phone or a, you know, a browser or something, right? So but you wouldn't you wouldn't ever reference that, of course, because it's what you're known for. So that those are the challenges we've got to overcome, really. Um, and of course, as that newspaper audience gradually, gradually dwindles, there is a perception that you're no longer relevant. Even though, even though, even though obviously um, you know, 85% of that content is consumed elsewhere. So yeah, fascinating. And as you say, I mean, the hunger for content and news is is still there. It's just the way people are consuming it is is shifting so rapidly. So it must be fascinating for you to sort of see it evolve day by day. Yeah, it is, and it's um, and and I think really um, that let's say that going back to the motivation for um pursuing this uh, this avenue, not just B two B marketing, but through through this sort of um, through my employer really, is that no one really knows the end game for this, right? The BBC as a broadcast medium don't know the end game for this. And they've got their own particular challenges, of course, with the license fee. Um, Facebook, Meta, they don't know the end game for this, or they've got a, clearly, Mark Zuckerberg's got a strong vision of where he thinks it might go, right? Um, Rupert Murdoch over that side doesn't know. Every, everyone's trying various things and everyone, everyone's waiting for the landscape to start stabilizing or moving in certain directions and so on. But the reality is no one knows, I don't believe, 10 years from now, how we'll be consuming content what type of content we'll be consuming, what news will be content, how we'll be doing it, when we'll be doing it, and how we're going to reach advertisers within that, that sphere, really, or, or not just advertisers, but consumers. It's just an ever, ever-changing playing field. And that's a, that's, a, that's a vast cliche, isn't it? But it, um, it's, you know, it's the truth from what I can see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting to watch. So how can traditional publishers wrestle power and budgets back from these big companies, Facebook and Google, given that everything is shifting so much all the time? What strategies can you employ to, to, to grab the power back? Well, I mean, it, there's, there's a potential here for a losing battle, of course. Uh, let's, let's just be honest. Um, you know, the, the nature of um, Facebook, you know, Meta's, uh, Google's entrenchment into the into the world really is, 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 you know, it will probably require a new player to come along to alter that really. I think what a traditional publisher can do really is to, is ultimately to leverage what their strengths are. You know, that's a, that's a fairly traditional business model, isn't it? But the content we, pres- we produce, which, which is, you know, not just us, but other, other players, of course, and worldwide, which will be the strongest, most relevant out there, you know, and the, the, there's, a, there's an awful cliche that content is king, uh, but it's probably true. We leverage that content. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a trust that comes with that, and that obviously comes with the strength of the brand itself. And, and often that is over years and years of a successive legacy. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be that long, of course, and that old. But trust comes with it, and you know, and, and that's important. You know, when I'm 
when I'm um, when I'm I don't know what you're like, Steve, but when I'm googling content and search inquiries on Google and so on, I you know, and I'm searching for something. Let's say it's a list of something, right? For argument's sake, you know, the ones that I'll I'll look at probably with closer attention, even if they don't come up fifth or sixth on the list, you know, is is something from a often a news publisher that I that I know, as opposed to some other website that I've never even heard of, even though they might have maximised their optimization to come top. You know, so there's a trust there. So I think I think really you, it's about it's, it's purely about leveraging that and 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 to using. The strength of that that audience that's coming here anyway, the strength of the content generating ability, and um, and and obviously buying into the um, the trust that comes with it. And you're also bringing AI within your uh, set of tools. Could you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this really is almost like the final layer, really, of our our first party data sort of proposition. Um, and we, we've built um, we've been with with the partnership with um, IBM through their tool, IBM Watson, we've developed a, um, a piece of tech called Mantis. Um, it's developed by us at Reach. And essentially, it's, um, it, it sees the sentiment and the emotion on the page to ensure that the ads are served against the content and not blacklisted against the content, right? So maybe you need to give us an example of that. Yeah. So, so the, the example would be, say, um, historically, say, um, uh, a story with the, the, the word, I don't know, for example, slashed in the story. Okay. Now, now that could be in a story about knife crime in the UK, which is a massively negative uh, connotations, and and that could be blacklisted as a keyword uh, amongst advertisers. Okay, and that that means that advertising can't be served against that content. Uh, and 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 previously, by the way, up to seventy percent of our content would have been blacklisted. Uh, you can imagine, as a news publisher, you know there is you know people love negative news rather than positive news, don't they? So. So um, as, a, as a publisher, we would be missing out on ad revenue, but also uh, as, an, as an advertiser, you'd be missing out on relevant audience. Um, so, but equally, the word slashed, going back to that example, um, you know, could be in the context of you know, high street sales or you know, talk about Christmas advertising, for instance. You know, it's the same word, but it's got a different meaning, of course, like, like much of the English language often has. Now, Mantis, um, ultimately can see between that and understand how the word or the keywords could be seen in the context of the wider piece um, and ultimately allows that content, that, that, ad, that ad through. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a great example of, um, of, of how we're using AI, but ultimately how we're combining that with our, with our, 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 our captured and learnt date knowledge about our audience, really, to, to enhance the performance of our ad, our ad products for our clients. Very interesting. Um, moving on to creativity, as you know, we're big fans of that here at True. Uh, using the solutions that you've talked about so far, what's the best example of B2B marketing that you've seen that really embraces creativity? The very best um, creative examples, and you know, often give you uh, from the best medium, of course, and, and, and print newspaper advertising gives you that kind of that landscape, really, that, that real estate, really, as a medium, really, to, to get super creative. Um, but the example I'll, I'll, I want I want to give really, and 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 I think what you're getting at here is that the the lack of creativity often in the B two B marketing world. The best example that always comes to mind for me, uh, and I still love it every time I see it, is a it was a it, I don't know how old it is really to be honest, but it was a TV spot for um, Zendesk, which is um which is a, a live chat engagement piece of tech. Uh, and I don't know I don't know if you've ever seen uh, when Harry met Sally. Yes, the movie when Harry met Sally, but interspersed between that movie 
is a load of little skits between elderly couples who are then talking about their relationship as they go through the yes, years and so yes. on. You know, and and it's, you know they're famous little scenes from a famous movie. And 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 the creative team of the agency behind this advert, uh, Zendesk, could done that exact like spot really with an old couple, an elderly couple, one being the business and one being the customer, and they they, in, they interact and engage and so on. And and they talk about when they got Zendesk and. And that's when things really started happening in the relationship, and they started talking to each other. And and <laughs> and and, and, the, and the payoff line is, uh, you know, when we started using it, I got more business. And and the the the, the old the elderly lady, his wife to him, or his customer, really, to be honest, said, "I like it when he gives me the business." Now, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's an awfully cheap sort of payoff at the end, right? But but um, you know, it it's, it's, it's very Don awesome. Draper, <laughs> uh, correct? Exactly. And and you know, and it, it was superbly creative. Um, I use we use Zendesk for a while actually, and 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 to be honest, I we hadn't, if we hadn't come across them before, it would make me want to delve deeper, really. And and that was a great example. I think you had to have watched When Harry Met Sally, I think, to properly get it. But you know, most people had. So so summing summing that up, what, why would you say that was so effective for you? Was it the cheekiness? Uh, was it just trying to do something in a different way? Uh, what was it that really struck you about it? Yeah, but exactly. It was uh, mainly because well, it was clever. Uh, I think the the copywriting was very clever. The art direction and the casting was very clever, and obviously, it it it, it possibly referenced uh, uh, you know a, a movie that may have been you know impactful amongst their target customer. Of course, I suspect I don't know. Right, but but really, it was a B two B ad. You know, it was not, not really. It totally was a B two B ad, but they ignored all the other common traits of b2b advertising that might be out there and and the, the typical things that we all do and they went purely i mean you know if you didn't know who zendesk were you would assume it was a consumer ad right and a very clever creative one and that's what i loved about it and that's why it stood out because it, it's different from all the other b2b stuff i think really so the moral of the story there is be bold be a bit risque be creative stand out yeah Uh, So looking ahead then to the next 10 years, say, uh, with macro factors like distrust of big social networks, fake news, the pushback behind the blind algorithms that influence politics, can you see a world where people begin to trust traditional media and journalism more than they currently do? Yes, um, I can. uh, And I'd like to think that never changes, really. Um, As always, it comes down into the the quality of the content generated. And if that, if that, lessens or weakens or becomes um less relevant then then that trust will start to dissipate but generally yes and but but equally i i i don't know where that trust may arise in different avenues really i know the world is changing fast and you know and 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 to be honest you know i'm more likely these days to watch and engage and and perhaps even connect better with somebody somebody on youtube Mm. From their own bedroom, even right, um, producing content. But 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 I, I, I but I'd say probably that the you know more traditional content generating powerhouses are the ones that will will have it. And I, I can't really understand how that might change. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating watching the reinvention. Something's going to happen. It's uh, as you say, it's just a question of what and, and which players rise and uh, and how it all falls. Finally, then you said in our pre-interview you prefer B two B marketing over B two C. We agree, of course. But why do you say that? Uh, <laughs> personally and professionally, I think because um, more people 
gravitate to B2C, more professionals gravitate to B2C. And I think um, that creates, uh, you know, a, a less competitive, less, you know, um, complicated sort of environment ready to operate in. I think as individually myself, I'm, I'm certainly more inclined to the concept of relationship building, um, which I believe is inherent within B2B. From from a from a um, a revenue perspective, uh, you know that's not unique to B two B, of course. But I think it's it seems to be more directly connected. Um, and and I and I believe I'm more of a naturally creative person, and and I like the potential to be able to bring creativity into a B two B world, uh, which is. And I'm a B two B by myself as well as a B two B marketer, right? So I'm I'm buying B two B products and ad tech and martech all the time. And I, I get some I get some awful stuff thrown at me. <laughs> I, I, I like I like the, the my motivation is to try and help change that. Right, right. Give everything a good spin round. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, good luck with that. It sounds like you've got a challenge, but uh, it's one that we're all we're all on board with. Um, that brings us to the rapid fire round. Uh, I'm going to throw some quick choices at you, and I want you just to respond from the gut as quickly as you can. Are you ready? Yes. All right, number one, advertising or ABM? Um, ABM, ABM. It gives, uh, it allows for that relationship building, which I've already said about. Great. Number two, logic or magic? Uh, I think I'm more magical. I'm more right-brained, but um, but I love the ability to bring logic into it as well. Uh, I'm trying to cross that divide if there is one. Right on the fence. Brand building or lead generation? <laughs> Um, brand building is harder, but I love it. And I love a brand that builds well. Uh, but my inclination is toward lead gen. Fair enough. Uh, what's the problem with B2B right now? Oh, it's complicated. It's laborious. It's boring. It's, um, it's, uh, there's too much staid work going on. Um, it's, it, it's, it's ripe for uh, disruption. And how would Don Draper disrupt it? How would he give it a kick up the arse? <laughs> uh he would uh he would be more amazon i reckon he would make things faster he'd make things more efficient he'd make things more intuitive he'd take the stress out of it right okay moving on then if you could tell all ceos to read one book over the summer what would that be um the one i picked out uh i remind myself does it? it is the brand gap by marty newmeyer um, it's a book I've read numerous times, uh, and it's, uh, the, the essence of it is essentially a bit like the left brain and right brain, really, uh, that we just talked about is bridging the gap between business and creativity. Great stuff. We'll have a look at that. And one final question then, what's your favorite Don Draper moment or quotation? The day you sign a client is the day you start to lose them. Very good line. And then all it leaves me to say is thanks for such an insightful chat, Nick Copson. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I'm Stuart Black. See you next time on B2B Needs Don Draper. 